When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for tuning in to Americana Music Profiles. It's Season 3, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine in print and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com online. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's join in on another great conversation with one of the Americana Music Industry's super talented artists. Former record store owner Mike Felton has parlayed the end of 30-plus years of selling vinyl into a singer-songwriter career full-time. He is my guest on this episode of Americana Music Profiles as we talk about his new CD, Diamonds and Televisions. Well, hi, Mike. Welcome to the podcast. It's uh, good to get a chance to talk to you today. Yeah, great. I'm glad to hear from you. <laughs> so you've, you've actually been, been at this quite a while. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, when, you, when you stop and think about it, uh, <laughs> uh, basically... Uh, if you want to go back, uh, really, my entire life, I've been involved in music some, some way, shape, or form. But uh, uh, you know, I did have a record store uh, starting in 1979, uh, running for about 30 years. Uh, and in a couple states, we were online. Uh, I used to do uh, record shows, load up the car, and uh, we drove uh, everywhere, actually, from uh, Virginia to California, to uh, Texas to uh, uh, Minnesota. <laughs> we, we've been everywhere. What was the What was the name of your store? Uh, it was the Record Emporium. Okay, yeah, that definitely uh, sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you uh, doing any uh, of that at all anymore? Uh, no, not really. It's uh, uh, you know we closed the store. Uh, we had to be oh about two thousand eight, and we uh, went to a warehouse and did it. we were exclusively online for a while, and uh, sold most of our inventory off. Uh, before the warehouse burned down. Oh, no. <laughs> so wow. uh, we were out of there by then, but yeah. uh, it was just like the uh, the, the place, uh, the building had been condemned, and uh, uh, we had been uh, uh, sharing space with a record company and a T-shirt company and all these uh, uh, bands, and uh, everybody had little offices there, and uh, one by one, they all went out of business, and I yeah. was... Uh, like the last one uh, in this whole warehouse, and uh, uh, they finally, uh, the city finally came and condemned the warehouse for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Maybe people had been there had been a different thing, but they kind of uh, let it fall into disrepair. Sure. And, yeah, uh, it was kind of like uh, The Shining. I'm sitting up there by myself <laughs> in this huge, huge warehouse. Kind of, uh, kind of a, a, a poetic. Um, ending not just to, to a business and a building, but a, an era as well. It sounds like there might be a song in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, they actually did a, uh, a documentary called Revinalized. A guy named uh, John Boston uh-huh. uh, did it, and uh, we were in there uh, along with a couple other uh, record stores that were still functioning at the time, and I don't think, uh, maybe one or two of them are still there, but uh, yeah, wow. uh, 
but you can get that online twenty uh, twenty minutes on YouTube. So okay, well that's you, that's you see a, what I look like. Sure, yeah. Well, that's a nice nice side trail. Of course, you know, uh, there's a. I'm not sure we can call it a revitalization, but there's certainly a renewed interest in in vinyl, and uh, I, I'd love to see it uh, be something that comes back and stays. I'm I'm afraid it's a it's a fad, but it's nice to at least to hear people talk about it again. Yeah, I know I'm going to a, a record convention on Sunday. Uh, about my second one since I I've I quit, but I've been enjoying uh, playing music. Uh, you know, as far as playing uh, old albums and uh, CDs lately. Yeah, uh, that I've uh, I have thousands and thousands of things that uh, I'm rediscovering and never had the time to uh, uh, spend <laughs> with them, but I do now. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we, we're obviously not uh, not on the call to necessarily talk about uh, the record business, but but you've been in the business on in other fashions for for uh, perhaps quite as long uh, as a, as a musician and entertainer. Tell me about that side of your life and how you got involved in. And becoming a musician. Uh, well, uh, uh, way back in the, the '60s, I think that's a, that's a long time ago. But uh, <laughs> uh, took my first uh, guitar lessons at the Old Town School of Folk Music in Chicago. Uh, at a previous location, not the new one. It was a second floor walk up, and uh, uh, some of the guys that had founded uh, uh, were still there. And uh, I know. Um, it was, uh, you know, I was kind of a, a kid from the, the north side of Chicago and going down uh, and seeing these uh, bohemian ladies in their black dresses and uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, the ex-Beatnik uh, era. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of eye-opening for me. But uh, as always, a, a kind of got to be a fan of uh, Woody Guthrie and all the old folky guys and uh, uh, I learned all those... Uh, uh, songs from there, and of course it was uh, rock and roll, and you wanted something electric. Mm-hmm. And I got into rock bands in '65, uh, '66, uh, and uh, I was just uh, playing around with uh, the song "Hey Joe" uh, because I was doing that before Jimi Hendrix got a hold of it. Uh, wow, that's uh, cool. That group called uh, The Leaves had it, and uh, Love had it, uh, had it out as a little up tempo. Uh, so, uh, um, so we got into rock bands. I was uh, with a band called the Bogus Risque Weeds <laughs> for, for a couple years, uh, but uh, got into uh, playing solo uh, across from the Old Town School. There was a place called uh, the Fifth Peg, where uh, guys like Steve Goodman and uh, John Prine and uh, you used to just wander in and uh, play an open mic, and I used to do those. That's cool. Uh, we used to do a uh, a couple open mics uh, on Tuesday nights. I remember do do about three of them. Uh, go down to Orphans. There's a place called the Saddle Club. But uh, um, just uh, started with that. Uh, uh, always was interested in the blues. Uh, 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 kind of uh, oh, uh, put on a uh, probably the first outdoor. Uh, music festival in Chicago uh, uh, when I was in junior college. It had to be about 70, hmm. uh, 71. And uh, we had uh, Buddy Guy and Junior Wells play. And uh, uh, we got to meet, uh, we, all, we actually went to Muddy Waters' house because he was that accessible at that time. He could just uh, yeah, call cool. up and go over and visit. And uh, 
uh, he had been in a car wreck and had a broken leg at the time, so uh, uh, he couldn't get away from us. So he uh, <laughs> uh, he called a buddy guy to get rid of, rid of us, and uh, but he took us to a couple blues clubs, and uh, uh, that, that was a, a night I always remember. We go to a, uh, a club, I forget which one it was, but uh, 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 Willie Dixon was there and Junior Wells, oh, cool. and uh, it was just, just like everybody who was everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Just sitting around on a Tuesday night, but uh, but I did play in uh, uh, some blues bands. Uh, when I got married in '76. Uh, we uh, we uh, went back to the land like a lot of people did, and uh, uh, I played in cover bands for a long time up there, and uh, did some of the folk festivals. Uh, uh, Hiawatha, uh, uh-huh. Rhinelander, uh, Pike Lake, uh, doing a lot of those up there, but. Uh, uh, the cover bands paid the bills. We uh, we were playing uh, uh, seven days a week, uh, four hours a day, and six hours on Sunday. And wow! Kind of learn your chops from doing that. Sure. But, uh, yeah. Then um, I got back to Chicago. It was kind of exclusively. Uh, uh, well, it wasn't exclusively. It was blues bands, and uh, I found myself in a heavy metal band playing bass for <laughs> for, for a short time called. Uh, lobotomy <laughs> and uh that was fun and uh, i'm still in contact with those guys and they're they're on the different things yeah but uh uh you know so i've always had a hand in uh about uh 2003 uh um uh, ran into some people i had a recording studio and i had a bunch of songs and uh, uh me recording was uh, a couple blocks away from one of our stores uh-huh. uh, so i wound up uh Going in there after hours and recording uh, uh, my first uh, uh, CD called Landfill, and that was uh, kind of a uh, learning experience. Uh, uh-huh. uh, but uh, that was in uh, 2003, and uh, I've been working on albums ever since. Uh, 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 this new one, uh, Diamonds and Televisions, will be uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, uh, about the fifth, fifth one. Uh, uh, the fourth one I actually recorded in the studio, but uh, there was a, a live uh, live one called No Second Rides. So there have been four studio albums and one live one. Uh, as maybe by the time you uh, uh, you get this in print or on the air, I'll have uh, a couple of uh, outtake uh, collections okay. do that will be available online. Okay. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm working on the next one. <laughs> so, sure, yeah, good. So how how did the how did the record store come into play for you along the way? How, how did you get involved in that? Uh, well, when I uh, moved up to the Upper Peninsula, uh, you know, uh, it was pretty uh, dire circumstances up there. The uh, the mines had just closed, and uh, everybody was out of work. It was like twenty percent unemployment. And uh, trying to find a, a job was pretty tough, uh, so I, I started bartending. Okay. And from bartending, it kind of grew into uh, uh, being a, oh, kind of a booker, part owner of uh-huh. a, a little club up there. And of course, started sitting in with the bands. And uh, one day, a guy came came in that was a what they used to call rat jobbers. He used to put in uh, all the the KTEL records in right. the uh, grocery stores, and uh, 
he serviced those, and I started working with him. Okay. And from that, uh, you know, I bought uh, some record racks from uh, Montgomery Ward store in Marquette and stored <laughs> those, and uh, yeah. got ready and opened up a little 700-square-foot store in Iron Mountain, Michigan. So that's, that's how the record store started, yeah, and that yeah. just kind of grew from there. But uh, yeah, that was a, uh unusual uh, unusual trip. It was kind of tough. You know, of course, everybody's out of work. Sure. But uh, everything was kind of cheap, too, and you could uh, make mistakes. And uh, yeah. uh, playing music was always uh, actually a paying uh, proposition. <laughs> <laughs> so that all, always helped. And well, We had two kids, and... Uh, my wife's uh, a nurse, so uh, uh, we kind of uh, carved out a living up there for uh, about a dozen years. So you're pretty much a, a music lifer, then. It's it's never uh, been. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. They, people ask you, know, "What was your first concert?" And uh, I think I uh, my first one that I can remember anyway was uh, uh, Dick Clark's Caravan of Stars. Oh yeah, okay, and. Uh, at the International Amphitheater in Chicago, and I went with uh, my babysitter that was supposed to take care of me, uh, <laughs> put me on the back of a motorcycle. And we oh, my gosh. Up. We that's went funny. down uh, down to see uh, Danny and the Juniors. That's who yeah. I remembered anyway. But, yeah, wow. But it's been a long, long time. <laughs> when when and, did uh, um, songwriting uh, become part of the life for you as well? Boy, that, that's even hard to pinpoint. I was always... Uh, I know I've written stuff that uh, when I was seven years old, stories and whatever. So I was always writing stuff. Uh, songwriting just came with uh, with the guitar in, in the, the mid '60s because uh, you know you had Bob Dylan and all those people I right. started admiring and uh, uh, I wanted to do what they were doing. And uh, I think even now I have a whole genre of, uh, of people that have watched me play and. Uh, I think that well, if that guy can do it, I can do it. <laughs> it's a whole subset of uh, performers in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> but, do, but, uh, do you um, do you start with the with uh, the lyric, the idea, or do you start with the melody? How how does that process begin for you? Well, you know, I've always been a word guy, uh-huh. uh, so it would start with lyrics. But uh, uh, the more I play and. Uh, sit here and doodle around with the guitar you know, you hear a lick and uh, you kind of incorporate that um, a lot of my songs when I start doing them they're very different than uh, uh, the way they wind up on records mm-hmm. uh, uh, even even the, uh, before the band comes in but uh, uh, they kind of grow and phrases get uh, uh, sharpened and uh, uh, licks start getting thrown in there and you start bringing bridges and sometimes uh, bridges and choruses from other places start showing up. Right. And, uh, uh, but uh, it's uh, kind of honed through performance. Okay. And, uh, you know, people like something and you continue to do that sure. and kind of work work through that. But it, it, I, I would guess eh, 80% of them probably start with uh, lyrics, but uh, uh, kind of get groove-oriented after a while. So. All right. Do you do... Um do you do some writing for for other musicians as well, or is this predominantly just for your own purposes? Uh, basically, you know, I've uh, uh, basically just my stuff. Uh, 
this new record has a, 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 a bunch of, uh, well, one song is called Seven, uh, Seven Days a Week that the lyrics were written by a guy named Bob Frank out of California. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, he was recorded by Jim Dickinson in the 70s, uh, and he's been at it for a long, long time, too. But he just sent me uh, 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 these uh, lyrics, and uh, so I had approached it from a totally different way, different challenge. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, usually people come up with their uh, melody and want me to put words to it. Uh, but, yeah, I would do that. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, sure, okay. That, that's kind of easy, but uh, the other way is kind of, oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can do with this friend. Try and make it fit and uh, yeah. try and get after uh, what he was after. So. Sure, yeah. Well, I, I was reading over some of the um, notes that you sent over, and, and this um, this phrase popped out at me, and I think um, uh, you, maybe it was your guitarist that, that suggested this, or maybe someone in the studio, but that your music... Uh, they called it Outsider Americana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know we were, with this album in particular, I'm just sitting listening to it, and uh, kind of a, a diversity of, uh, you know, the first couple albums, I you could listen to it, and, well, this is a blues song, this is a rock song, this is maybe even a jazz song, this uh-huh. is a country song, but uh, I was just listening to it, and I blurted out, so what kind of music is this? <laughs> and he came up with Outsider Americana. I said, well, I guess that's as good a phrase as any. Did, did you make him tell you what that meant? <laughs> uh, well, I, I kind of understood, I guess. You know, but, uh, if uh, you're familiar with uh, the artist uh, Howard Fincher, I think his name is, uh-huh. but he was uh, kind of the outside uh, outsider artist. and uh, 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 I think he's down in uh, Tennessee, somewhere down there with the... All these uh, sculptures outside uh, okay. of the things he just threw together, and uh, you know where did this fit? And uh, the thing is, you know, you, you just make it fit. You know, where did Bob Dylan fit? Sure, you know, yeah. When he started, you, you know, he, he wasn't exactly somebody that uh, was going to rival Perry Como or somebody. Yeah, you know? so, yeah. Uh, he just did what he had to do, and he did. He became Bob Dylan. And, yeah, uh, right. Uh, that's kind of what I'm after. So, if sure. it's outsider Americana or. I don't know, uh, Irving Berlin, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, Americana has kind of become this huge umbrella where if your music doesn't fit anywhere else, you'll just slide it under the Americana umbrella because that's where everything else fits. And, and it just really caught me funny when it said outsider Americana. Uh, and um, I was thinking, well, okay, so now maybe we're creating a new genre. Even. <laughs> so if you can't fit under that umbrella, we've got this other one called outside Americana. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's cool. Uh, you know, uh, I was uh, using Roots for a while too. And what what is that? You know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, we, of course, uh, you know, we were born and raised in the United States, so I don't know. It's just, uh, you can't say it's not the United States music. You right. Say it's, uh, yeah. It's not Roots. So, so what? How do you define this? Sure. Yeah. Well, and and of course we're you know we want to talk about the the new CD diamonds and televisions and you tell a story um, in the notes about um, how the title of that came to be. I wanted to I wanted you to retell that for us because I thought that was so cool. Okay, well you know just uh, a lot of times uh, you know I have working titles and uh, sometimes they turn out to be the title, but uh, this one uh, it was kind of. Uh, 
you know, a collection I called number five for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, it didn't really have a title, but uh, uh, well, I was down in Shawnee, Oklahoma, uh, uh, with a couple of my good friends down there, and they wanted to take me to a, a place called the Hamburger King, which uh, was a, a hamburger restaurant that was had been there since the 20s mm-hmm. in downtown Shawnee, and uh, it's a cool little place where you sit in the booth and you, you pick up an old rotary dial phone and phone in your order huh. for the waitress and she brings it by for you. <laughs> uh, and it was a pretty cool cool little place, and I, I really enjoyed it. But right across the street, there was a, a couple of abandoned buildings, and uh, uh, one of them, I know, they... Uh, Advertised they would uh, take your uh, pelt in, I guess, whatever you killed, you could bring your, ah, your okay. pelt in and right. trade it for something. But next to it, there was an old pawn shop, and uh, and he covered the bases with that, with uh, diamonds and televisions, cameras and stereos. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, that, that's kind of like my collective song here. Yeah. And he did, did take a couple pictures of it with the cell phone, and it uh, didn't quite work for the title, but... Uh, I uh, passed them along to uh, uh, a friend who's uh, not related, but his name is Luke Felton, F-E-L-T-O-N, opposed to my E-N, mm-hmm. uh, and he did a, a, a great cover for me. Yeah, that's cool. So, uh, I, I, I that's love that how, story. how that came about, <laughs> and it stuck, and it, it seems to fit quite a bit. Yeah. So tell me some more about the CD itself, and... and um, uh, what what's your it, it, looking at some of the names of the songs? Uh, maybe it was intentional, but some knowing that story, it's almost like well, maybe you're going to tell some stories about some people who might have shopped at that pawn shop. <laughs> well, you know, uh, a lot of my uh, whole performances uh, is stories, uh, and uh, I, you know, I do pick up. I'm kind of a history buff too. Uh, you know, I work at the uh, I've been volunteering at the Chicago History Museum for eight years. Oh, cool. I do a thing on Native Americans for the Field Museum, uh, but uh, I'm uh, kind of aware of what's gone before and uh, uh, you know, some of these phrases that people come up with uh, in diners and wherever I am. Uh, I kind of have a way to make it into my, uh, my stage show and kind of make it into uh, the CDs. Um, but uh, one of them on here is Emma's house, where I just happened to find out uh, that uh, a house in an old neighborhood where I used to live, uh, mm-hmm. actually uh, on the second floor, I believe it was, was uh, Emma Goldman, the old anarchist, had lived there for a while. Hmm. And uh, I said, wow, you know, I walked by this place forever and never even thought about this. Right. But, uh, uh, we went out there and... Uh, Stood there and took a look at it, and as I was thinking about uh, Emma Goldman, uh, she was actually arrested in that apartment because uh, 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 a man had listened to her and uh, uh, had uh, assassinated the, the president. Wow. And uh, so they hauled her in, couldn't tie her to that, but uh, uh, they did deport her. And uh, they never came, uh, never let her back in the country until after she was dead. Mm. And uh, they took her ashes and buried them here. Mm. But, uh, I mean, it's just things that you walk by every day and you can never, ever, uh, n- never imagine this until you actually yeah. knew the story story behind that. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, the third verse is kind of uh, disjointed in that one because it's, uh, as I was standing there, I met a, met an old girlfriend who had, uh, well, I hadn't seen in a long time, but uh, hmm. uh, she had uh, been living with a guy that keeps uh, uh, um, hitting her. And uh, she had her, uh, her uh, blackened eye at the time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, kind of tied into Emma Goldman and uh, the whole uh, current history with past history and uh, yeah. where are we going with all of this. And yeah. Uh, um, so that, that kind of became a became a, a story there. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, I don't know. There's... Uh, we can go through one by one. I can tell you a story about everything, just about. But, uh, when you're... When you're performing, do you do you tell do you set it up? Do you tell the story before you do the song? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I, okay. I do that. You know, it depends. Uh, uh, you know, I play so many places that there are uh, places where it's not conducive to telling stories. Just sit up there and play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I play a lot of uh, uh, you know neighborhood bars, and these guys don't want you to be talking. They want you to. Just play the music. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, sometimes you want to dance, and uh, sometimes you want to listen. Yeah, but, uh, right. Preferably, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I tell them the longer I talk, the less I play, and that, uh, right. that might benefit you. <laughs> <laughs> what what is uh what's a full schedule these days look like for you playing music? Oh well, I do uh, I do between sixteen and hundred gigs a year. Okay. Uh, uh, getting to be more and more. I know I told somebody that, and so I do uh, 280 or something. <laughs> so I guess I could do more, but uh, I do, uh, oh, uh, I have a couple of residencies uh, uh, where I play once a month, a place called Phyllis's Musical Lounge mm-hmm. that uh, has, been around, has been around for forever. Uh, uh, Dean Autry used to busk outside, and uh, mm. Nelson Algren used to live upstairs. That's and, cool. Uh, uh, everybody who's anybody in Chicago uh, had probably played there at one point or another. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, kind of a starter bar, but it's uh, a fun bar, and I, I yeah. kind of like that. Yeah. And then I do a coffee house uh, gig, the Buzz Cafe in Oak Park, where I just uh, sit on my stool uh, with the guitar, no amplification, and go through all these songs and stories and uh, uh, work things out. But I do play... Uh, um, boy, uh, a whole lot of different places. I play rock clubs. I play punk clubs. Uh, I'll do farmers markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they have Make Music Chicago, where you play different areas in Chicago, under the bridge and at the beach, mm-hmm. and at the zoo, mm-hmm. and uh, any kind of club, any kind of restaurant. But uh, um, I just uh, enjoy getting out and playing before an audience, and uh, most anywhere I'll do. <laughs> Are you, are you predominantly still regional, or are you doing some national touring as well? Are you going to hit some festivals? Do you do that kind of work as well? Uh, well, yeah, I do uh, uh, basically through the Midwest. Uh, I know I'll be going to Detroit this year. They have a thing called the Assembly Line Concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, that They've done four different things. It's the longest. Uh, 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 they've been in the Guinness World Record for the, the longest continuous concert it, it goes for like uh, uh, three, four weeks wow. uh, around the clock, and I've done four of those. Originally, it started uh, when Detroit was really uh, in dire straits uh, uh, with the auto industry, and uh, 
Ford would bring their cars, and GM would bring their cars. Chrysler would show up. The UAW would be there. Uh, the governor would show up, and it was kind of a, a celebration of what Detroit was and what it could be. And as things turned, it, uh, the concerts kind of turned, too. Mm. Uh, this one seems uh, kind of uh, political uh, on uh, where they want Detroit, Detroit and Michigan to go. Um, they kind of started an assembly line, uh, a party, hmm. uh, like a political party. So yeah. uh, we'll see what that is. But uh, yeah, in four weeks, I'm sure they can cover everybody's bases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do. Uh, uh, Bob Everhart, uh, he's uh, uh, old uh, Smithsonian uh, folkways recording artist. Has uh, had a festival for 40 years out in uh, Mars, Iowa. Uh, called National Traditional Country and uh, probably just about every everything else uh, out there, and uh, he does that every uh, every year in August. Uh, and I've done uh, about four or five of those. Hmm, that's so cool. We'll be out there this year. Uh, uh, basically, nothing is amplified. Uh, you can stand in front of a microphone, but uh, that's about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so again, the the album is uh, Diamonds and Televisions, and we've been talking to Mike Felton. Uh, Mike, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you, find your music, uh, reach out if they want to send you a note or ask questions. What's the best way to get in touch and and um, and find your CDs? Okay, well, uh, you know, my website is uh, www.mikefelton.com. dot com. It's F E L T E N. There's another uh, Mike Felton, F-E-L-T-O-N, but he's uh, kind of a a young baseball player with uh, long blonde hair, and he weighs about 195 pounds, (laughs) but uh, after that, that's where the similarities end. uh, (laughs) You you know it's not me, but uh, um, yeah, MikeFelton.com is uh, one place uh, where you can find anything. I'm on Reverb Nation. uh, most of my stuff is up on Spotify, uh, CD Baby, all the usual suspect iTunes. Uh, and not that hard to get a hold of. Uh, um, you know, if you just uh, Google me or uh, uh, drop me an email, you can do that. Uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, everything should be on the website. Okay. And I'm on Facebook. You can befriend me there, too. So uh, Great. Uh, <laughs> we're all over the place. Yeah, good. Or just invite me to your house. I'd be happy to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we do a house concert, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. that'd be great. Right. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Good talking to you today. Okay, sounds great. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.